Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time and this space where we can gather together in one, one room, where we can recognize and honor and worship your presence with us. Lord, we ask for, uh, for each of our lives to be touched in a way that only you can do, Lord. This morning, we ask that whatever is uh, clouding our brain or whatever burdens we're carrying, that we're able to leave them at your feet, at the foot of the cross, that we can be open to hearing what you have to say, how you choose to uh, lead us and love us in each of our lives. Lord, I ask for a blessing on the message this morning that we are going to hear that you've laid on Jerry's heart as it is received in, in powerful, mighty waves, and that we leave here today better than when we came in. We love you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs> That's like, get off the, the hook. Um, uh, this morning, we're going to hear from Jerry Burns. And Jerry and Raylene have been coming to Hope Covenant since around June, part of the uh, the draws that they had for this community was the active work through Butler Mission Week. And also we went out to the uh, Christian Hills Camp, which is the place that they uh, own and run and lead. And we kind of all fell in love with each other. And their heart is huge. They've been leading and um, loving me and John and Eric as just a support, pastoral support. But also they've been helping lead on Thursday nights in our uh, Freedom Basics class that just wrapped up. And so they've already done a great, mighty work in this church. And so we're going to hear more from Jerry this morning. So welcome, Jerry. Thank you. As Amber said, we've, uh, we've been in some kind of ministry for a very long time. You guys look different from up here. I always sit in the back. I can see the back of your heads. I, uh, instead of telling a bunch of stories about who we are and where we come from, I, my wife put together a little home video for you that uh, will kind of tell you something about us, and it's, it's a little bit quicker. And So uh, if you would, will you show that first before we get started this morning? It's just not enough. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. My darling, I can't give up your love, babe. Girl, I don't know, I don't know why. I can't give up your love, babe. Tell me, what can I say? What am I gonna do? How should I feel with everything in you? Okay, I think they know enough. Girl, all I know. Every time you're here, I feel a change. I'm sorry. I think I just saw Amber poke John say that's the last time he's getting up there. <laughs> Definitely. I want to start with a scripture that I've used for years and years. It's one that God gave me um, when I first started out in ministry because I was overwhelmed, I was overcome with a sense of I didn't belong in ministry. I had no right to be there because of what I had done, the things I had caused pain to other people. that I shouldn't be there. And God woke me up one morning, and he gave me this scripture, and I want to share it with you this morning. 
1 Timothy 1.15, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Romans 3.22, we are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins, and we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. The message God's laid on my heart for you this morning is about a man in the Bible that I feel like shows us this as an example of his life. It's about a man in the Bible that I love, that I feel like I can identify with him. And I'm hoping that as we go through the scriptures this morning, that maybe you will be able to, too. Maybe you'll be able to feel some of the things that he feels. Will you play that little sound bite for me? That's okay. That you would ask God why you're here, why he brought you here this morning, what it is that he has for you. And I would pray, and I would ask you to pray, that as we start to open his word, that the words of God's Bible will come alive for you. That they will not be just words on a paper. They will not be ink on a paper. But as we read them this morning, I want us to be there. I want us to feel the things that these people feel. I want us to see and understand how they lived and where they were and the, and the things that they went through. Try to get out of your mind the video that I showed you a while ago, please. And try to ask God in the next few minutes to bring something to light to you today that maybe you've never seen before. Let's just spend a few seconds together. Father, open your words to us. Lord, I know in this room there are people hurting. I know in this room, Father, that there are people who have got things in their past that plague them. I know, Lord, that Satan uses those things against us. And I pray today that you will release us. I pray, Father, that you will reveal those things to us. We will be able to see them like we never have before. And I ask, Lord, that your words would come alive. That as we read these stories, they would not just be stories. That we would see those people and we would think about, what if I was there? What would I feel? What would I see? What would I hear? What would I see in the eyes of my Savior? 
We give this time to you now, Lord. Fill this room with your spirit. Father, I pray that the spirit would reveal to us, maybe make us uncomfortable. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would touch every one of us in this place today. Put me aside, Father. Speak through me, Lord, your words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start out in Luke. As we go through this now, we're reading about Peter, and we're going to see Peter from a lot of different places in the Gospels. So we'll be jumping around a little bit. But what I want to do is I want to set up who he was. And as we start through these scriptures, you're going to start to get an idea of who Peter was and what was going on inside of him. I think that he was so much like us. When I read about Peter, a fisherman, a man who worked with his hands, I think of someone who had big, strong, calloused hands who made a living outside, who was dark, who knew what it meant to work every day and be in fear of not being able to feed his family. I think that he was a man so much like us. I think that he was someone that had to go every day, and as he pulled those fish in and as he worked with them, there was all kinds of things that happened to him. The smell of who he was, the smell of the place he worked. I bet his shoulders were big as he drew those nets up over the side of those boats. Please start with me to think about in your mind who he was. And if you met him, what would he look like? What would he say? Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. One day as Jesus is preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the words of God. Please go there. We're on the Sea of Galilee. Someday I hope I get to go there. He has noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, which I thought that was amazing that Jesus just decided to step in. Jesus asked Simon, notice he owns this boat, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, when we start to read this, I want you to think about his attitude and what Simon's thinking. He's been fishing his whole life. We don't know for sure how old he was, 30 or so, but he has been fishing for his whole life. He knows fishing. And I want you to think about his attitude when Jesus starts to ask him. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. One of the beauty about the Bibles, there's no inflections. We don't, we don't hear the tone of voice when we read. They say that 70, 80% of communication is nonverbal. So I want to do that this morning. I want you to hear maybe what Peter sounded like. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. Okay, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, doing, I'm overdoing it a little bit. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, you think maybe that was his attitude? I don't know. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Jesus came to him in his world. And what he did. 
and where he was. There is no more powerful miracle than a personal miracle, than the ones where sometimes no one else even knows the prayers that we cry out, and Jesus answers those prayers. You're going to see this happen to Simon. Verse 7, a shout to help brought their partners in other boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I imagine there was yelling and screaming going on, help us. When Simon Peter realized, please see this part. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, what did he do? He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Have you ever felt that way? I have. I did for years and years. God called me to preach when I was 15. I never preached a sermon until I was almost 40. You don't want to know what happened in those years in between. But I rebelled against him. And in many ways, as you will see later on, I denied him. As Peter was touched by what Jesus did, he will touch you where you are, where you live, in your life, in the things that are important to you, in the things that are inside of you that maybe nobody else knows about, those things that drive you, that scare you. What I was going to have play a while ago was just the sound of a rooster crowing. And if we would have heard it, we would have thought, I've heard that before, especially if I came from a farm or a ranch. I've heard that sound before. But what do you think that sound meant to Simon Peter? As we go on, now I want you to see this miracle that Jesus did, which I, I thought for me, wow, that wouldn't have touched me like it did him. But he said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. I looked up awestruck. You know what that means? Awestruck. Astonished, amazed. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, and we're going to hear this later on. Don't be afraid. This is a key to where we're going today. There is over 360 sometimes in the Bible where it says don't be afraid. We could read a verse about not being afraid every day in a year. Why do you think that's there? Fear is what keeps us from what Jesus has for us. Fear is what keeps us from healing so many times. Fear is what keeps us staying in the same place that we are. This room is packed full of incredible potential. There are people in here just like Peter. It doesn't matter how old, how young, man, woman. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what color you are. This room, each one of you, those of you that have accepted Jesus, it says that he gave you a gift. He gave you something, and he desperately wants you to use it. But fear keeps us in our chairs. Fear keeps us 
from reaching out for what God has. Let's go on. That's why he said to him again, fear not, don't be afraid. For now, you all will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. What? Because they got a bunch of fish in the net? It says they left everything. If he came to your work today and all of a sudden your production went through the roof, and he said to you, come follow me, would you leave everything? I want you to think about who these men were. They had families. Peter was married. He had a brother named Andrew. They had responsibilities. Yet when Jesus showed them that personal miracle in their hearts, they changed. And in an instant they said, we're leaving everything and we're following you. That Jesus, I promise you, is the same one that is here today. Let's go on. What do you say? I, who do you say I am? Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, you know, when you, when you hear that, well, they're trying to take a little time to figure out an answer, aren't they? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? What if he asked you this morning? Who do you say he is? If somebody asked you this week, who do you say he is? Sixteen, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, which means promise deliver, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You are blessed because you heard God's word. Each of us can hear his word. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I don't think right then Peter was a rock. Do you? The rock that I think Jesus was talking about was his faith. It wasn't about the man. It's never about us as men or women. It is always about us believing in a power stronger than us. And upon the faith of men like Peter, his church would be built. This church was built. This church grows and is strong. It didn't take us coming here very long at all to go. This is full of amazing people. We fell in love with these two very quickly. Their hearts, their generosity, 
who they are, this place can explode with Jesus if we can continue to find Peter's if we can continue to find people who even though they've gone through some terrible things, and you will see as we go on with this, I believe with all my heart that was part of Jesus' plan for him, that he needed to go through some hard things because by going through those things, that's when we need Jesus. That's when he needed Jesus. That's when he built the strength to go through the fear that kept him where he was. Let's go on. Now I say unto you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the power of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. One more, and i got to hurry. Matthew 14, 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had, ra- had risen. They had been separated from Jesus because the crowds overcame him and pushed him back. They wanted him to become their king right now. So Jesus went to the mountains to pray, and they left. They're out in the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> About 3 o'clock in the morning, it is dark. This is a storm. Have you ever been out in the ocean at night. Now, I want to take it even a step further because these guys are on a 27-foot boat. I don't think they had spotlights. I don't think there was any light out there. I think they were in this boat in the middle of the sea in a storm, and you will see later on it says they were terrified. Jason used to be with the Coast Guard, and he would actually go out there in the ocean and jump out of helicopters and try to save people. Imagine being out there alone at night and seeing, let's go on and read this. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward him walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were what? Terrified. They were just afraid. What do you think that means? Were they standing up, looking out there? I wonder what that is. I I think they were trying to see who could get in the bottom of the boat the fastest. They were terrified because what they saw out there, they did not recognize, even though it was their Jesus, even though it was their Savior. Let's go on. About 3 o'clock in the morning, walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them once again with these words. Don't be afraid. If you don't take anything else from this morning, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am with you. That is an amazing scripture. That should touch each one of our hearts as we struggle with the things in life, as we struggle with the things that we can't understand, as we struggle with anger as I did for years and years. 
I quit being angry a thousand times. I had a man tell me one time, you're an angry man. It really made me mad. I fought it for years. I couldn't be free of it. And when I think back, that is my rooster. When I think back of what that meant in my life, and when I think back about the way it affected the people I love, it is almost more than I can handle. But because of Jesus, because of his forgiveness, because of what we're going to see in a few minutes, we can handle it. We can not only handle it, we can flourish. We can be forgiven. We can have the gifts that God's give us released inside of us. We can start to love and be loved, which all of us want. Let's go on. I'm, I'm, way, I'm way behind. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Now, th- this part, too, is I, I could talk about this forever. Yes, come, Jesus said. Now, first of all, why would Peter say that? Why would he want to go out on that ocean in the dark? Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went out over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. These are not stories. This is not a storybook. This is true. This word is so amazing. I've been reading it for 40 some years, and I promise you that even studying for this, I see things in it I never saw before. This is organic. This is alive. When you sit down and allow God through his spirit to speak to you through this word, it changes you. You will start to see things that you didn't see before. It says it will pierce our hearts. It will convict us. But it also brings so much hope to us. It it allows us to understand that most of the people in here were mess-ups just like us. And God used them. I think he loves to use us when we messed up because... It's not about us then. It's not about our glory. It's so easy then to go, I didn't do this. The Lord in me changed who I was. uh, 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. I bet they did. They got up out of the bottom of the boat You really are the son of God, they explained. Yes. Now, I'm going to skip forward because we have to. Luke 22, 54. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man, please put yourself there. There's other things going on next. In Caiaphas' palace, 
next to where they were. They could see the trial, the things that were going on with Jesus. They could hear it. There were men there with swords. There were men there with torches. There was yelling going on. Please put yourself there where Peter was. Just the night before, two nights before at the Last Supper, Peter had said to Jesus, I will follow you. Even unto death, I will follow you. Now we're here. The servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, I am not. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, one of the most powerful verses in God's Word. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine that? Not only had he denied him, but the face of his Savior, who at that time was in agony, turned and looked across the room at Peter. Ah! Then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you have known me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Have you ever wept bitterly? Some of the guys I know now, I don't. Well, you know what? I have. I've hurt people. I have done things that later on I felt the weight of rejection on me so strong that my weeping was bitter. This changed who Peter was. But as you'll see as we go on, there was a reason for that. John 21, this is where we've been trying to get. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. I love the way the Bible does this. Several of the disciples, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll come too. So they went out of the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. This was after he had denied him. This was after Jesus was crucified. What do you think the atmosphere was among those men? Now, we know that they had seen him afterwards at least once. We know that he had come back and showed himself in the upper room. We know that they had seen him. But what do you think the atmosphere on that boat was like? Why do you think that Peter, after he was told, you will now be a fisherman of men, went back 
to fishing. Because something inside of him died. He thought because of what he did, he could not be used. He thought because he had denied Jesus that he wouldn't want him anymore. I bet they never talked to each other. I can't imagine that one of them looked over and said, Peter, what did you do? Because the rest of them had ran. They had went and hid. They had all denied him in their way. And when you think about denying Jesus, it doesn't just mean that I say, I don't believe in him. We can deny him in what we do, in how we act, in what we say, in the way we love people or don't love people, in the way we give or we don't give. We can deny him in a thousand different ways. They, I think, were huddled on that ship that boat all night long in fear. I don't think they cared anything about fishing. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out fellows or children. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat. Peter had to immediately start to go, I remember this. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat. So they did, and they couldn't haul the net in because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7, then the disciples, see, I love this. Then the disciple Jesus loved, well, we know it's John, and John wrote this. So he wrote that about himself. I thought that was fun. If I ever write anything, it was to the preacher that Jesus loved, Jerry. <laughs> then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped for word, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load and net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. Please, Think about this as they, as they leave the boat. As Peter left the boat, he, it's Jesus. I want to see him so bad. But you know there was some of him going, come on, you guys. Let's all go. There was something in him that was still struggling with what he had done, with where he had been, with the things that he had caused, with the sound of that rooster. It had to still be plaguing him as he started toward that shore. Now come and have some breakfast. No, verse 9. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus fixed them breakfast. Can you imagine? Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. This charcoal fire here is only listed one other place in the New Testament, and that was where Jesus denied, where Peter denied Jesus. In the courtyard. A charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. We don't know what that means, 153. Maybe the countries that Peter was sent to, we don't really know what it means. Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples, read this with me, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? 
They knew it was the Lord. I, as I've thought about this, Jesus forgave me. I, I can't imagine what his eyes were like. Can you? I can't imagine looking into the face of Jesus. His eyes. I don't know what color they were. They were probably brown. But I don't think they were brown. I think when you looked into the eyes of Jesus and you saw love and you saw things in there that could change you, that you saw someone that would say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. I still love you. Those eyes, those windows to who Jesus is. There's a verse in Ephesians that talks about we are a reflection of Jesus. We should be able to reflect those kind of eyes to the people around us. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the, the, the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? Most of us that have read God's words have read this over and over again. But if we put ourselves there with the feelings that were going on inside of Simon and the disciples, they take on a new meaning. To look in his eyes and to have him look at you and go, do you love me? Do you love me? He said, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. He starts out with the little ones. He is calling him to take care of the children. He's calling them to teach the children about who Jesus is. We know he's not talking about feeding actual lambs, but all through his word, the lambs referred to us, those of us who love him and follow him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, what's going on in Peter's heart now? I answered this. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my church. Take care of the people around you. Take care of those that don't have what you do. Feed those that are hungry. Close those that don't have clothes. Reach out to the ones that are different than we are. Touch the people around us. That's what a church is. That's what we are. That's what a body becomes. Then we become organic. We start to grow. We start to see people come to Jesus. He is telling him what he wants in our church. He is telling Peter what he wants in the church to come. A third time he asked Simon, son of John, 
do you love me? What would you say? What would you say if you were sitting there on that shore? You can hear the waves and the wind. Jesus is across from you and he looks you in the eyes and he says, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. He was not only giving him what we need to do. He was saying, if you learn to love me first. You know what the great commandment says? Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind. That's pretty much every part of us. If we learn to love him with everything in us, then it naturally comes that we feed the sheep, that we take care of each other. Imagine a church, and I think we can. It's full of Peters. It's full of people who finally say, Lord, I love you, and I'm going to show you by loving the people next to me, by loving the people that I meet that are unlovable, by loving those that are caught up in addiction, by loving those that have got something in their past that they can't get past. In a few weeks, we're going to do a class called Breaking the Cycle. It's called Breaking the Cycle of Hurtful Family Experiences. But so many times as Christians, even after we become Christians, we hold on to things in our past that drive us down and keep us from finding the ministry that God has for us. He wants us to find that ministry because he knows that's where you will find your purpose. That's where you will find your hope. That's where you will find your joy. This morning, we want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus' question. As they come to play and get ready, I would like for you to bow your heads for just a minute. Put yourself on that beach. Will you close your eyes with me and just allow Jesus to ask you that question today? You will put your name in it. Don't be afraid. I know it's a hard thing to ask. I know that it's scary, just as it was for Simon to even go on that beach. But Jesus is saying to you, denial doesn't matter. Past sin doesn't matter. Love is the only thing that matters. Put yourself on that beach and hear him say to you this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? I have a life for you if you want it. I have a life of ministry. I have something for you. Probably not something that you planned. I have something for you that will give you a life of joy and fulfillment that you have never felt before. As we stand this morning, if God has touched you, I have asked the pastors and some people to come up front 
and stand if you need someone to pray with. If, if God has said to you this morning, I want you to surrender to this. Will you please come and pray with me? Please stand with me this morning. Please stand. Thank you.